Good evening. Welcome to the first night of our conference. Let's take our hymn books tonight and we'll sing number 324. Number 324, Wonderful Grace of Jesus, Greater Than All My Sins.
thank you so much for coming, and uh, we're so glad to have you. Otherwise, we'd had a bunch of packets of materials we'd have had to go on and use for Sunday school or something. Uh, but we're sure glad you're here, and I know we have more uh, folks coming to join with us on tomorrow, and a lot of preachers in the area that have services. And thank you for traveling to be here. I know some of you traveled a long way. Uh, a brother from the Yukon, where's he at? There he is. And uh, he walked. He started last year, and he started before we started planning the conference. And uh, but I'll thank you, all of you, for coming. And uh, I am so glad uh, that you're a part of uh, this week with us. And I hope you can be a part of all the services. I know some of you, uh, your work won't allow you to be here uh, during the day, but if your work will allow you. Uh, or if you quit your job, and just trust the Lord and uh, be with us during the day. We love to have you, and uh, we're looking forward to wonderful sessions all throughout the week. And, of course, we're honored to have Pastor and Mrs. John Wilkerson. And uh, they arrived last night, and uh, they looked, you looked tired last night, preacher. You look much better tonight, and uh, we're so glad they're here. It was at the Alberta Preachers Fellowship in Calgary last year. Uh, I can't remember what day it was. I remember with the patent, I remember you preached a phenomenal message that day. And after, uh, during the fellowship time, we're eating, and I was sitting down, and I was sitting beside Brother Jim Price. And I leaned over to Brother Price, and I said, Preacher, I said, I'd love to get John Wilkerson to come and uh, preach for us. I said, I don't know if he can. I said, I, but I'm going to ask him. And I was so excited whenever he uh, I twisted his arm and I gave him a couple million dollars and uh, he said he would come but uh, we're uh, you're going to pay for it don't worry no, I'm teasing. but uh, thanks again uh, I, I want to ask Brother Jim would you come up here just for a moment Brother Jim is my I can say this and I harass him my oldest friend in the ministry and uh, when I came to Canada almost 18 years ago as a 30 year old kid I was young once. I had hair. You remember that? Yes, sir. And uh, I got a phone call from this man, and uh, pastor in Leduc, and he called me and encouraged me and had me come and preach for him, and he's been a dear friend. And uh, I love Brother Jim. I'm, I'm pretty sad tonight. They're leaving us on uh, Friday night. They're going to move into Manitoba. I think that's not God's will, but uh, we've sure enjoyed having Jim and Ruth here. And uh, one of my dearest friends and longest friends in the ministry, I'm going to ask Brother Jim to come and uh, open us in prayer tonight for our, our service this evening, as well as for our conference for the week. Brother Jim, if you would. I sure uh, love and appreciate Brother Rice as well. And I would say amen to that. He is a very dear friend. And he's been encouragement uh, to us down through the years. Amen. Amen. And who looks older, by the way, him or me? We all know the answer. That's enough. <laughs> you wouldn't believe this, but he's 15 years older than me. <laughs> I'd better pray before I get into more trouble. Amen. <laughs> Father, we're so thankful uh, for your grace, the wonderful grace of Jesus that's reached the most defiled. Lord, I thank you that you love sinners. You want to see us saved, and thank you for saving our souls and giving us forgiveness of sin, giving us the Holy Spirit of God, giving us a home in heaven. 
And Lord, we need you tonight to do a great, marvelous work in our lives. Uh, Holy Spirit, speak to us and teach us, instruct us, help us uh, in what we need to know and how to apply it. And Father, bless this conference in the Cornerstone Baptist Church. Thank you for all the work that they have put into this conference. And Lord, that you be honored and glorified in all that's said and done and the responses of our heart. We praise you tonight for just your goodness. We pray in your name. Amen. 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 Let's take our hymn books again, number 596. Number 596 is Because of His Grace We Have Victory in Jesus. Number 596. Let's stand as we sing. I heard an old, old story How the Savior came from glory How He gave His life on Calvary To save us
we have some information for you. If you uh, would open up your conference packets, uh, did everyone get a conference packet? If you need one, uh, we'll have uh, Brother Ben, can you uh, help us with uh, handing those out? If you don't, do not have a conference packet yet, and a pen, we can get one to you. Inside of your conference packet, you're going to see a red card, and on the back of it, it says prayer request card. Uh, during our conference on Friday, uh, during the 1.30 session, we'll be having a time of prayer, so if you would like to share uh, any prayer requests that you have, uh, you can write that down on this card and drop it in the offering tonight or any of the offerings before that session. Uh, and then also, if, if it helps you, uh, we have a, a way to do this online as well. Uh, you can go to cbcyeg.ca uh, slash pray, and you can uh, fill out the form on that website there uh, to be able to fill out your prayer requests. Thank you, Colton. Uh, I want to talk to you about our offering. And uh, we're going to, uh, because we're Baptists, we're going to take an offering this week. Uh, we're just going to take three of them. And uh, just in the evening sessions, uh, our church, Cornerstone Baptist Church, is honored uh, to be able to bring you here uh, to host uh, this meeting. And uh, uh, we have already cared for all the expenses of this meeting, and we are not asking you to help with that at all. That's not what our offerings are for. Uh, rather, we want to give an opportunity for you to be able to give. And uh, we've got two opportunities there. Uh, Caleb, if you put them up for me. Uh, two opportunities throughout the week. The three offerings we're going to take up. We're going to take the offerings up. We'll count it Friday night and let you know before the service is over how much we've taken up. Every penny uh, that comes in is going to go. We're going to split it between uh, printing project with First Bible for the Vipay. Am I saying that right, Brother Jim? The Vipay people. It is a, uh, a scripture that has already been translated. Uh, it is just they just need the funds to print it and get, get it in the hands. A lot of Christians there. Uh, that have no Bible, and uh, so we're going to be helping with the printing uh, of that Bible in the Vipay language, as well as Brother Dan Crumble. Of course, many of you know Brother Dan, and if you don't, uh, I'm going to introduce him to you this week. You want to know Dan Crumble. Uh, he has been doing a phenomenal job pastoring the Paul Band. Uh, they've got a, a building there, and God is blessed. Of course, we were uh, able to help with that years ago, and the building you see there, it's a wonderful building, and however, if you've been there, you know the bathrooms are still in the water, still not hooked up. Uh, they are waiting for the chief, and which he's got a good relationship with, to be able to help them uh, with that, and also there's going to be some funds needed when that door opens, and I want us to be able to help. I want us to put take that burden off of Brother Dan and off of the church there. As soon as that door opens, I want him to be able to walk through it. And uh, so we're going to be helping with that. So tonight our offering, uh, everything that comes in tonight and tomorrow night and Friday night, uh, every penny uh, will go to these two. Uh, we will count and give you an announcement Friday night of how much we've raised. You can know uh, what we're able to do to impact eternity uh, for the gospel. And that's what it's all about. Amen. Uh, that's why we're here. And I know that's why you took time to be here this week. Uh, every night as well, I wanna, I'm going to have a different man from our church at Cornerstone, uh, share just a quick testimony of how they came to Christ. I know we have several pastors here. I know we'll have more pastors uh, starting tomorrow. Uh, I know it's easy to get discouraged. I know it's easy as you're trying to reach uh, people in your city, uh, your province, your town. I know it's easy to think, you know, who's going to get saved? What's God going to do here? And uh, I just, I pick three uh, people from different backgrounds in our church uh, I want you to just to hear how they got saved, a very quick testimony, 
And basically, I want you to realize you're going to find out that all three of these folks are from different backgrounds and different cultures, and uh, the gospel still works. Loving people. Loving people still works. And uh, the young man who's been leading singing tonight doing a great job, who did a lot of the work that you see here this week, uh, who's worked tirelessly for a couple of weeks, uh, Brother Colton Visser. Uh, Brother Colton we brought on staff here a couple of months ago. Of course, he and his dear wife, B, uh, have had them here for a little over a year, and uh, we're excited to have them here. Uh, but we're not going to keep them. Uh, we're going to be sending them to the Netherlands here in a, a little over a year and a half. Uh, but Colton has done a phenomenal job, and uh, God is using him. But about 10 years ago, he was a bus kid. And I want you to realize, preachers, those kids that cause you problems sometimes, uh, maybe they write on your walls. Uh, did you ever do that? <coughs> Probably. Uh, uh, the kids that are a struggle. Uh, most of you never think 10 years from now he could be an assistant pastor. 10 years from now he could be a missionary. And I'm going to have Colton come to share a quick testimony about his salvation. And then he is going to lead us in prayer for the offering tonight. Brother Colton, come ahead. I was impacted with the gospel just over 10 years ago. I uh, was moving from British Columbia to Ontario, uh, and as my family and I were moving into our, apart our apartment, uh, a kid from the church that I got saved at, uh, he started helping us unload. Uh, he started picking up boxes. He was maybe 10 years old, started picking up boxes and bringing them into our apartment. And afterwards, he didn't ask for any money. Uh, my dad tried to offer him some money, and he refused. Uh, he simply asked my brother and I if, he'd like, if we'd like to come to the vacation Bible school at the church and he said there's a bus coming around uh, just in about an hour and about an hour and 15 minutes later my parents were wondering where uh, their children were <laughs> and they went downstairs asked the neighbor and said oh they're on the Baptist church bus and uh, I started attending Bethel Baptist Church of Simcoe Ontario uh, in August of 2012 uh, and then it was in October of 2012 that I heard a message from Galatians chapter 5 about the works of the flesh I understood that my sin was separating me from, an, from a holy God for eternity. I had grown up going to a Baptist church of sorts. Uh, I had heard about Jesus Christ dying on the cross, uh, about him being buried and rising again, but I never remember hearing the application to that. I never remember hearing that uh, the gospel was for me, that Christ died for me. And it was uh, that night in October 2012 that I understood that my sin was separating me from God, but Jesus died in my place. Uh, and from that point, uh, I, I, got, I was saved in October, and uh, in the following year, uh, I got baptized. And then a few years later, I was invited uh, by a missionary in the Netherlands to come visit the Netherlands. Uh, I went uh, for a two-week trip in the Netherlands in uh, 2016. Uh, and got to see the country there, see the people, and do ministry there. Uh, preach on the street in Amsterdam and just an amazing uh, opportunity that I had and I came back from that uh, wondering what what is it that God wants me to do in my life and I the, the next week after that trip I went to Bible camp at Camp Yes in Ontario and I heard a message of the final night of the comp of the of the camp uh, and it challenged me about uh, I had <clears throat> I'd been willing to do, do ministry I'd been willing to serve God but I had not surrendered uh, to serve the Lord in the area of missions. I wanted to stay in North America. I wanted to stay in Canada if I could. Uh, but the Lord wanted me somewhere else. And that next, throughout the next year, uh, the Lord confirmed in my heart uh, 
it might be the Netherlands that I would go to. I, I remember reading a verse uh, when I was at camp uh, in, in John chapter 17, verse 3, and it says, And this is life eternal, uh, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. And every time I would think about that verse, the Lord put that in my heart and kept uh, reminding me of it. And I kept thinking that they, that the Dutch people could know the only true God. They, yes. These people had so many false gods. They had so many uh, things that they placed in higher importance than God, uh, that they might know Jesus Christ. And I kept thinking about that, and at the end of that uh, week, I surrendered to uh, into missions, and the Lord led me through that next year to towards the Netherlands. And then uh, following that, I went to college to study missions, and where I met with my wife, B. Uh, and uh, Lord willing, in about a year and a half, uh, we'll be starting deputation. Let's pray for the offering. Amen. Father, I thank you for your grace. Thank you for the victory that we can have uh, through your son. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, just bless uh, what comes in for this offering, Lord, for these um, projects that we have uh, before us tonight. Lord, I pray that you would do uh, miraculous things through through the funds that are given, Lord. I pray that the Vipay people could be reached with the gospel, Lord, that they could have the Bible in their language, Lord. And Lord, I also pray for Paul Van Bible Baptist Church, Lord. I pray that you'd help them and bless them uh, in their endeavor to reach uh, the, the First Nations uh, there in Paul Van, Lord. I pray that you bless this offering uh, for your work in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I forgot to ask you ushers to come forward. <laughs> Brother, Brother Krim, could I get you to help me? And uh, Brother Eric, if you guys would come. Sorry about that. That was Pastor Rice's fault. That was not these. These men are the best men I know, but uh, that was Pastor Rice's fault. Let's let's pretend that didn't happen. We'll try that all over. <laughs> seated as we sing 379 we have an anchor number 379 in your hymn books Will you? 
Sunday as well. Now, if you do come Sunday, uh, just be aware you're going to have to sit on somebody's lap. I hope that's okay. And uh, we have a lot of Filipinos in our church. Uh, we've talked about uh, building some jeepney seats. How many have ever been to the Philippines? I've never been yet, but in the Philippines they have jeepneys and they put people up on top of it. You've been there, right, preacher? And uh, so I'm thinking at about six feet high, preacher, you hit your head, maybe six, seven, uh, we'll have another level. And uh, we'll make all the people that are five feet tall or under. So if you're Filipino, you can sit up there. And uh, but no, I wish you could be here with us Sunday. And uh, we're excited though you're with us this week. Uh, we're going to have some special music tonight. I'm going to ask my two oldest daughters to come. Uh, my middle daughter, Lizzie, is home from college to be here for the conference to help with music. And uh, were you on a date over there? <laughs> See if she blushes. She hasn't yet. And uh, I'm excited to have her here and excited to have my girls get to sing together. But they're going to sing a song for you. And uh, after they do, I'm going to come and uh, introduce Pastor Wilkerson to you. And then before he comes, they're going to sing another song as well. So girls, go ahead.
19-year-old kid. Jim, I was even younger than 30 once. When I was 19 years old as a freshman, uh, my second semester in Bible college, I had the privilege of working in the bus ministry at First Baptist Church of Hammond. And uh, I worked with, uh, under uh, Mrs. Wilkerson's brother, uh, her brother John, a dear friend of mine. I spent eight years working very closely in ministry with him. And when I was 19, uh, one of the ladies who worked in my bus route uh, as a lady worker uh, was Pastor Wilkerson's baby sister. Uh, Her name is Mary. And uh, I can't remember, we can't remember why he was there, but he came to visit the college at the time. Uh, Pastor Wilkerson was a school administrator, I think, or a teacher in California. And uh, I met him a long, 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 long time ago. He won't remember me because I had hair then. That was a long time ago. I remember, though, as a 19-year-old college freshman, uh, being impressed uh, with that man, uh, John Wilkerson, that I met. He wasn't a preacher. He wasn't pastoring a church of thousands of people. Uh, He was a school administrator. I was impressed uh, by his demeanor. I was impressed uh, by his spirit. And uh, can I tell you that it's the same today as it was when I met him as a 19-year-old kid. I'm honored uh, that we get to have Pastor Wilkerson with us. He is a humble, uh, sincere Christian, and uh, he wants uh, to be a help. I want to share this, and I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this, but he called me. Brother Maude and I were together. Brother Maude will remember this vividly. I was, uh, we were trying to connect, and it's tough. Pastor Wilkerson is so busy, and I just sleep all day, so it's tough for us to connect. And uh, we were having trouble 
getting back and forth and he messaged me and he said, Pastor Rice, can you call me at this time on this day? And I said, absolutely, preacher. We're going to talk about the possibility of him coming. And it was a day that I had scheduled to go uh, kill poor defenseless animals. And uh, <laughs> Brother Ahmad and I were way in the middle of nowhere. And I mean, we were in the middle of nowhere. And we had to drive to a place kind of up on a hill where we had cell service. And I walked up on top of the hill where I looked and got some cell service. And right at the time that I was supposed to call him as I'm walking up, Don Kuyper. Don, if you're watching tonight, you're a reprobate. <laughs> but Don Kuyper uh, called me, and he sent me a picture of, of uh, Krispy Kreme donuts today. What a reprobate. <laughs> and uh, he called me and talked to me a minute, and he told me that Canada was changing the entry requirements and doing away with the COVID, requir the COVID vaccine requirements. And I got off the phone. I called Pastor Wilkerson, and I'm, I said, I'm so sorry. This idiot pastor from, from Niagara was keeping my time. <laughs> And uh, I called preacher, and he asked me a question. He said, a pastor, so what do I need to do to cross the border to come to be with you all in Canada? And I told him, I said, preacher, I said, they just changed the restrictions. Uh, there's no vaccine requirement. And uh, at the end of our conversation, after he graciously agreed to come and was excited to do so, he, he said something that I believe says a lot about his desire to be here tonight and to help you. He said, Preacher, so the reason I ask you what the requirements were for me to come to Canada, he said, if I, he said, I'm not vaccinated. He said, but if I have to get vaccinated to come and be at your meeting, I will. And uh, I, I say that tonight because I want you to know he's here because he wants to be here. And he wants to help you. And uh, I know he will. I, I hope you'll listen. And I hope that uh, God will use his word in your heart this evening. I hope God will bless you and his dear wife. Preacher, if you want to go ahead and come up, and uh, thank you so much for coming. And, uh, honored to have you. No, we're so glad to and, uh, we'll be seated. We'll uh, have one more special music, and uh, when we're done, Preacher's going to come and uh, share his heart with us this evening.
girls, and thank you, Pastor, for allowing me to share just for a few moments over these next few days, uh, be an extension of what God has put in your heart to do. It's wonderful for us to be here. I'm glad to have my wife with me, Linda, and uh, the Lord let us get married 33 years ago, and we have nine children. All of them are girls except for seven, and uh, so we have have seven boys and two girls, and we're just very thankful and and that Pastor would allow us to come and be together. It's it's wonderful to be an extension of God's uh, ministry, but it's really fun when your wife can come with you and you can share in those ministry times together. It's a great, great privilege for us to be north of the border for us in the United States and to meet our friends here. So many wonderful servants of Christ have been used of God in this country. And uh, Oswald Smith, of course, uh, wrote The Challenge of Missions there out of Toronto and I've read that book many times. I teach out of that book regularly uh, at uh, Hyle Henderson College on the challenge of missions, and it always helps me. And Brother Les Hobbins, who went home to be with the Lord recently, he was, of course, uh, a Canadian. And then so many other folks, uh, Brother Stone and and uh, many folks in the Toronto area and, and in uh, British Columbia. It's just an honor for me to be here with you and very thankful for the chance to, to share these moments with you. Very thankful for the house of God, aren't you? I'm thankful for the work of God, thankful for God's men. And I'm glad that God lets me do this. I've only been pastoring for 23 years. I already met people who've been pastoring much longer than I. But I'm very grateful for the chance to be a part of the work of the Lord. There's just two positions opened up in Christianity. One is to pastor a church for God. The other is to help that pastor or pastor that church for God. That's your job. You either find yourself pastoring or helping your pastor. Uh, the piano players, they help the pastor. Nursery workers, they're helping their pastor. Pastor of the church. People that clean the building or oversee. That's the two positions open in Christianity is either pastoring a church or helping your pastor. Pastor of that church. And it's a wonderful joy. I've been on both sides of the fences there. And uh, I, have, I just have... As a pastor, I've grown to appreciate so much God's people, and I'm very thankful for those who have helped us in the ministry, and I see so many of you that are here. And those of you from the Cornerstone Baptist Church, thank you for your work and love and investment to let us come. For a lot of people to have a good time, a few people have to labor more abundantly, and I'm sure there's a lot of few people here that have worked really hard to make this possible, and for everything from the order of service to the graphics, to, um, I don't know if you saw the graphics before we started, all those sheep coming in, uh, and one was hobbling, that was me. <laughs> uh, you know, the, I just think about, man, that is a cool graphic, I like that, and watching the sheep, and of course with the theme of taking the oversight as a shepherd, we'll talk more about that tomorrow, and we'll give a little bit uh, more time and attention to it. But if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 84, Psalm 84. I'll try my best not to be terribly long tonight. We're just kind of laying a foundation. Tomorrow we have many other friends that are coming and that uh, will be pastoring churches throughout the area. Those who are watching online, numbers of people looking to, uh, to, uh, to uh, have the opportunity to participate uh, in that way on live stream. Thank you for those. And I love Brother Kuiper. I don't know what your problem is, brother. I'm telling you what. And anytime he wants to send Krispy Kremes to me, that would be great too. That's wonderful. Brother Kuiper, one of the most gracious, generous people I know and loves the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm certainly glad for anyone who would be listening this evening as well. Heard about one guy. said, I've got so much to say in the message, I don't know where to start. 
And a little guy in the back said, would you start somewhere toward the end? <laughs> and so I don't know that we can start toward the end tonight, but I want to be respectful of your time and appreciate it. One guy said, uh, Pastor, your message reminded me of the mercies of God. I didn't know that was a compliment. He said, I thought they were going to do it forever. <laughs> and so we're going to try not to make them terribly long. <laughs> but uh, I am really glad to be with you, and I'm just, I'm just excited about meeting each of you, and I hope the Lord will use our time in a very special way. Pastors asked me to speak tonight on the topic of the local church, God's heritage. And I love the church. I believe we all ought to love the church. God gave us three things so that we could be successful in Christianity. And these three things also are the tools that God used to bring us salvation. Everyone who's got saved, in my opinion, gets saved because of these three things. One, the Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by, yeah, no one gets saved without the Word of God. I had the joy today to lead someone to the Lord, but I couldn't do it without the Bible. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's where faith is fostered when someone sees the Bible. The most powerful thing on the planet is the Word of God, the gospel of Christ. It's, I, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it's the power of God. I'm not the power of God. You're not the power of God. The buildings are not, programs are not, music is not. The gospel is the power of God to everyone that believeth. But we've got to hear it. People have to hear the word of God. But God's word is a, a way in which people get saved. The other, the other thing that's necessary for people to get saved is, is the spirit of God. The spirit of God has to be there when someone gets saved. Uh, they don't just get saved just from the Bible. The Spirit of God has to bring conviction of their sin, of their need for the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and of judgment to come. And uh, we mu- the Word of God must be there. No conviction, no conversion. If no, someone does not have the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God, there is not going to be salvation. You can get someone to pray till the cows come home, or the sheep, whatever ones you want to take there. Uh, you can get them to, to pray all these prayers, but if there's no conviction, there is no conversion. Uh, They have to have the the work of the Holy Spirit. But the thing that I think everyone has in common, everyone that gets saved, someone has opened the Word of God to them. They've heard the Word of God. Number two, they have felt the convicting power of the conviction of the Holy Spirit on their life. And someone talked to them because of a local church that did its job. Everybody who gets saved gets saved directly or indirectly because somewhere along the line, a local church did what it's supposed to do. And every local church is to protect and to propagate the gospel of Christ. There are many other functions that it's going to do, but it must protect and it must propagate the gospel of Christ. And so that is, uh, that's true. All of us got saved. We had to have those three dynamics, the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the church of God. And then for us to be successful in our Christian life, we need equally those three things. You're ever going to find a successful Christian, you're going to find them uh, a Bible-believing Christian. They're going to be focused on the Scriptures. What does the Bible say? They're going to read their Bible, love their Bible. They're going to think about their Bible. They're going to talk about the Bible. They're going to meditate on the Bible, memorize the Bible, and they're going to apply the Bible. Those are things that Christians do that are successful. What you and I do with the Bible will determine what God does with us. You must spend time in the Scriptures. You're never going to be, and I'll never be the Christian God wants me to be unless I am devoted to the Scriptures. Number two, I must be responsive to the Spirit of God. When someone gets saved, the Spirit of God comes inside of us. And aren't you glad He doesn't make us a hotel? He checks out. I'm glad He comes in and He stays in. 
He says that he'll be with us forever. He says, I, Lo, I am with you always. He said, I'm never going to leave you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Uh, John 15 says, when he comes in, he'll be with us forever. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 tells us, when we heard the gospel, we believed the gospel, then we were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. One of the reasons I know I'm never going to spend a second in hell, not because I don't deserve it. I deserve it. But because I have, the, I have God's Spirit in me, and He's never going to leave me. And He's God's Spirit in me, and, I, he's ne- I, and since I can grieve Him, but He never leaves me. He can be grieved, but He doesn't leave. And He's inside of me, and He's God, and He's not going to hell, so I'm not either. <laughs> and I'm glad for that. I haven't been a good child for God, but I've always been His child. From the moment that He saved me, I have eternal security because I have His Spirit in me. It's a wonderful thing. And if I'm going to be successful, and we are going to be successful as God's children, we must uh, be committed to the Scriptures. We must be responsive to the Holy Spirit, and we must be faithful and involved in the, the body of Christ. He gave us His Word, His Spirit, and His body, and that's the local church. And it's, it's, uh, it's unbelievable how blessed a person could be if they would be involved. And let me just quickly give you a secret. God's Word is perfect. Don't change it. Let it change you, okay? Amen. Number two, God's Spirit is holy. It's God. He's perfect. God's church is not perfect. Matter of fact, if you ever find a perfect church, do them a favor and don't join it because <laughs> you will mess it up, all right? Uh, there's no perfect church. A church is not a building. It's not a nomination. It's a body of believers, human beings who have been say, saved, baptized, and voluntarily joined together for the work of God. But when we came into that local church, we came in as still with a sinful nature. So God's work is not perfect. God's, God's body is not Our head is perfect, which is Jesus. Uh, he's perfect. But have you ever seen a stroke victim? Someone who's had a stroke and one side of their body does not work anymore? Sometimes that's how the local church is. The local church, uh, the head is perfect. It knows what it wants to do, but the body does not respond. It doesn't respond to the head. But boy, if we're going to be all that God wants us to be, everybody must be signaled in to the head of the local church, which is Jesus Christ. And operate with Him so that our hands are His hands. Our feet are His feet. Our mouth and our tongue and our speech are His speech. Our lives. He said, Pastor, I want to be a part of a vibrant church. Well, be a vibrant member of that church. Every member ought to be a minister. Every saint ought to be a servant doing something in the house of God. I love the local church. My, uh, my mom and dad, my mother was raised in a Christian home. My mother, my, my mother had, had Christian parents who came to know the Lord and lived for the Lord. Her grandmother on her, on her dad's side, on her mother's side and grandfather, they came to know Christ. So, but my dad was on the other side of that pendulum. My dad was raised in a place called Knoxville, Tennessee. And um, his mother was, out, was an alcoholic, eventually would die of cirrhosis of the liver. His mom and dad dysfunction. Dad died somewhat earlier in his life. There was a lot of challenges there. On the front porch of their home would be tarot cards and crystal balls and alcohol would flow. And it was miserable growing up in his home as a young man. But uh, a, a church like this one, the pastor gave a little short man. I don't know his name. My uncle told me this story. He said, he said John, your dad and I, uh, it was hard being us a little bit because mom was intoxicated. We just want to stay away from mom for a while while she was drinking. So after we came home and we had the weekends to ourselves, we would just kind of meander around and go collect 
pop bottles or go watch a bat, uh, uh, watch the men play baseball or just go do something, play or play sports ourselves, just to kind of stay, go down to the boys' club and play basketball or do something, anything we could just to kind of stay out of the house. It was hard to be home when Mama was drinking. He said, but uh, one little fella, he, his pastor gave him a room at the church and said, why don't you reach the boys that are our third, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade boys in our neighborhood. Go reach them, and here's a room you can use. Because that little man was pretty passionate about getting guys in that room. He would work hard, and he would go, and he found us one day, and he said, hey, boys, would you all go to my Sunday school class? Sure enough, he went to the Sunday school class, and he would try to teach the lesson, and he did a good job. We learned things from the Bible, and he would show us pictures, and he would give us a candy bar occasionally, and we always liked that, but... At the end of class, he would send all the boys to big church to listen to pastor preach. And then he would put a folding chair in the corner of the room and turn another folding chair facing it. And he'd sit in the corner and he would tap one of the boys on the shoulder and say, Hey, son, would you stay after and let me talk to you a little bit while the other boys go to big church today. He said, I'll never forget the day he taps your daddy on the shoulder. He said, Richard, would you stay with me? And he's my, my dad said, You go on, Douglas, and I'll talk to the teacher here. He said his dad... Uh, my dad was set down there, and he took that Bible, and he showed my dad how he could have eternal life. He showed him he was a sinner. He deserved hell. Only Jesus could save him. And that day, your daddy asked Jesus to save him. He, he came to big church that beside me. He goes, Doug, I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm going to go to heaven, Doug. He goes, okay, thank you. Thank you, Richard. Okay. Hey, man, you're not going to believe this. I'm saved, man. I said, he said, okay, all right. You know, and all week long, he kept telling me, I'm saved, Douglas. You need to get saved. You're going to go to hell, Douglas. You need to be saved, you know. And him, I remember going home that night and telling that afternoon, telling, telling my mom and his mom that he was saved. And she was drunk that day. And she said, you got to get saved. you got to be 12 to get saved. Everybody knows the Bible says you got to be 12 to get saved. And he said, no, Mama, I'm saved. I'm 11, but I'm still saved. And, and, uh, and he said, all that week, that next week, uh, I, I went to the, he said, I told him, Richard, tell the teacher to tap me on the shoulder today because <laughs> I want to sit in that corner. I want to get saved. And he went up to the teacher and said, hey, my, my little brother, he wants you to over there, you know. And he took that, the gospel, and shared my uncle how to be saved. And Richard and Douglas got saved within a week or two of each other there. And my dad, my uncle was a great uh, servant of Christ, and my dad was too. My dad had um, four boys and two girls. When he met my mom, he met her, and, and uh, they got together and raised uh, six children. I'm the oldest of those six kids. And uh, my name is John. I have three brothers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. <laughs> and uh, they're all pastors of churches, uh, two, and one in Indiana, and one in Texas, one in Tennessee. And then they had two, two girls, Acts and Romans. I'm just joking. That's not true. <laughs> their, their names are Jana and Mary. And, uh, but uh, Jana's a missionary in a Muslim country. My sister Mary teaches, and he, she referenced, he ref, Pastor referenced her just a moment ago, teaches for Brother Clarence Sexton at Temple Baptist Academy down in Knoxville, Tennessee. But all of us had the joy to love Jesus Christ because of a local church that did its job, that protected and propagated the truth. And we heard Brother Colton's testimony tonight, a local church that reached out to a young man and, and stirred him up so he would invite someone else to come to VBS. And boy, what a blessing to hear the things. You know, a local church is, is founded by Jesus Christ. It's not your church. It's not my church. and It's not the pastor's church. It's not the people's church. It's, it's the church of Jesus Christ. It is. He's the founder. 
of the church. Number two, the formation of the church is people. People that have been saved, have been baptized, and who voluntarily said, I'm in. <laughs> I want to partner with God voluntarily to, to do what God wants us to do within a local church. It's a living organism. And it's formed by saved, baptized, believing people who have the Holy Spirit on the inside. Listen, let me remind you, the church is not for the unsaved world. For some reason, we think we're going to attract the world. Uh, I'll tell you what attracts the world, the gospel of Jesus Christ and holiness and purity. And uh, listen, there are some folks, they have a crowd, but they don't have a church. (laughs) Okay, because the church is, is for Christians. It's for God's people. We find its function of the church is, it really is, it's, it, there's three concepts that, that have to be in our hearts. We'll talk about this with our pastors tomorrow a little bit, but lordship, leadership, partnership. Can you say it with me? Lordship, leadership, Yeah, that's what the church is about. Though, If you don't understand those three concepts, you're going to get a little bit squirrely in your head. You'll get off base because the church is not about you. It's not about me. It's not about the world. It's about Christ. For the cause of Christ, we heard it sung this evening. Uh, The church is the Lord's. And understand that He needs to be consulted on everything that happens. He's supposed to be in charge here. Uh, In your church, if you think you're in charge, you're off your rug. (laughs) Uh, God's supposed to be in charge. We have to understand that what, Lord, would you want to do? You know, it's really not my job to build the church, but I want to be around when God wants us to pick up another brick and put it on the wall. That's what I'm going to do. It's His job. He said, upon this, this, uh, this rock, I'll build my church. In Acts chapter 2, the Bible reminds us that, that um, the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Who's adding to the church? Am I doing that? You doing that? Who's building the church? It's the Lord. The Lordship of Jesus. Number two, he puts leadership involved. And uh, our Lee Robertson years ago was made famous with this statement. And most of you, if I started, you know the, you know the, the quote. Everything rises and falls on leadership. And there needs to be somebody and somebodies that step up and lead. There were leaders in the church of, of Jerusalem. There were leaders in the church of Antioch. There were leaders in the church of Philippi. And God puts leadership in place. And it's it's a, it's a, and that's our responsibility. And then there's a partnership of all parties involved. We're working with Christ. We're laboring. We're not trying to do something great for Christ. We're trying to do something great with Him. Remember years ago, we were raising our children. Um, you know, my wife asked us to take our shoes off at the door so we don't truck in the mud and things into the house and on the carpet. So we take our shoes off. And when I would get ready to go someplace, I'd go to the door and get my shoes and sit down on those chair and I'd start putting them on. Inevitably, one of my nine kids, especially when they were little, they couldn't even talk yet hardly. They would start scurrying around trying to find their shoes. They would find a shoe and they would be, where's my other shoe? And they're trying to find it. And they would, I'm tying my shoes. And before I can get my shoes tied, they're, they're putting their shoes right in my face. And, Daddy, I go, I go. And I would be joking. I said, well, where, where are we going to go? I don't know. I just want to go. I'll say, please, I go with you. I go. I don't go. I go. I want to go with you. You know why they want to go with me? Because they don't have any money, and I got money. <laughs> they don't drive. I can drive. I like to go to Tim Hortons, <laughs> and and that I like donuts, and I like Seven Elevens, and and if I usually go, I get them something. You know what? They figure out that if they go with Dad, it's better. 
Yeah, it's better. They go by themselves. They're broke, and, and uh, they're on their foot. But they go, Dad, he's going to take them places, and they can, they can get more done. You know the truth of the matter is when God puts his shoes on, you need to get there and say, I go. I want to go with you. He's got deeper pockets. He's got the, he's got the mind, knows what's going on. You want to be with him. Sometimes we're over here trying to get God with us. Come over here with us. We really need to go where he is going. And be faithful about that because God has a plan for His church. And He wants, he wants us to, to understand the partnership. And it's, it's, it's the lordship of Jesus. It's pastor-led. It's deacon-served. And it's church-organized. Everybody works together with those things. We see the function that God gave. The focus of the church is to propagate and protect truth. When Apostle Paul was in a, in a rented home there in Rome, he wrote to, to Timothy he said, look, um, if I tarry long, and I'm hoping to come to you shortly, but if I tarry long, I want you to know how to behave yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. He tells it right there, what's a church? The church is, is the house of God, and it's the pillar and ground of truth. And it is to put the truth in the way you, the way you protect the truth is by keep getting the truth out. Have you ever ever heard a funny joke someplace in the morning? You thought, oh, man, I can't wait to tell my wife. It's going to laugh. It's going to laugh. It's going to be great. Man. I'm going to tell her. That's a funny joke. I don't forget that one, you know. And, and then you get home and you can't remember the joke. <laughs> like, man, I was so funny. What was that? You know how you can remember a joke? Tell a joke. <laughs> you tell that joke. The more you tell it, the more it'll, it'll set with you. You know how you learn the Bible? Teach the Bible. Amen. Yeah. You want to you be a better student in the Bible? Teach someone else the Bible. And, and learn it because whoever does the teaching, they, they do the learning. And, and you, you keep you're doing that. You know, some churches, you couldn't find the truth there with a flashlight. They have lost the truth. It's because they quit getting it out. They quit going soul winning. They quit teaching Bible doctrine. They get around and it's just us four and no more and huddle, the, huddle masses yearning to be free. When we need to get something going and keep the word of God going, keep the gospel going, it's God's plan. And then I thank God that the, the folks of the church is that, but the future of the church is that we're going to be with Jesus. But while we wait for Jesus, we're going we're gonna to live for Jesus. We're going to live together. We're going to love God together. We're going to labor together. We're going to learn more about God and each other together. And then one day we might get to leave together. Wouldn't that be wonderful? And live forever with the Lord. And, and uh, that's what we're going to wish we keep our mind on that. Tonight I want to talk to you just for a few moments about Psalms 84. Psalms 84 is a beautiful psalm that encouraged me, especially during COVID when we're not able to, uh, not able to meet together for a few weeks. And uh, for a few weeks it was challenging. And boy, I'm glad we got to resume pretty quick after that. But I'm very thankful. And I, I miss being together. I kind of think in... Boy, I, I'm glad. I, I think like the psalmist says in Psalms 122, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I thank God for live stream, but, um, you know, that's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to not forsake the assembly yourselves yeah, together. If you can be together, you ought to be together. Because coming together is, is for the purpose of exhorting one another. You don't do good sitting in your pajamas on the couch exhorting anybody, you know. Uh, you need to be there to exhort somebody. And it's, it's important. Thank you for making the time and effort and energy to even to come. And I know that we were going to have this meeting whether you came or not. But because you came, it's a lot better. 
And I thank you, all of you, for taking the time and the effort and the energy to stop what you are doing and get here to this uh, meeting. For those who will be coming tomorrow, we're looking forward to that. Let's stand together and look at Psalm 84. And we'll make our way quickly through this, this psalm. Begin in verse number 1. Follow along with me. How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts! My soul longeth, yea, fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found a house, and a swallow a nest for herself, that she may lay her young, even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Would you read verse number 4 with me, everyone? Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, and whose heart are the ways of them, who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well, and the rain fill with the water pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appears before the Lord, O Lord of hosts. Hear my prayer. Give ear, O Lord, O God of Jacob, Selah. Behold, O God, our shield. Look upon the face of thine anointed. Would you read verse 10, 11, and 12 with me as we conclude? Ready? For a day in thy courts is better than... I'd rather be it than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is the sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege to be extension once again of the Cornerstone Baptist Church and its good pastor and precious wife who, who have scratched out a place with you in this community. Thank you for our brothers and sisters who go here and then those who have come from this region to uh, be a part of it. For those who are watching online, thank you for them. I pray that you'd speak to our heart and help us to see these four truths that come when we understand the importance of the local church. Help it to be a profitable time in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The psalmist here is on his way to church. There was a three times a year where God's uh, men were asked to go back to Jerusalem. And at least one time a year from all over the world, they would come to Pentecost or to Passover or to the, to the feast. And they would make their way back to Jerusalem to worship the Lord. Paul, you can see in his journeys, oftentimes he wanted to get back for Passover. He wanted to get back for Pentecost. There was a time where God's people joined together. They had their local synagogues, their little gatherings close by, but it was special to go to Shiloh prior to the temple and to Jerusalem after the temple, to go there and to be with God's people, to sing His praises, to hear His word preached and taught and together with His people. It was a special thing. And at this time, I think in Psalms 84, the man is making his way to Shiloh. The tabernacle had not yet been built yet, but the, ta- but the, excuse me, the temple had not. The tabernacle was there. And he said, how amiable are thy tabernacles. My soul longeth, yea, fainteth for the courts of my God. I'm looking forward to getting there. And by the way, that should be some expectation of all of us. When we come to church, it ought to be a get-to, not a have-to. Every once in a while, duty needs to bring us, and it just does because we just forget. We know we're supposed to do it, but boy, love ought to keep us. And we ought to get in there and say, you know what, I'm glad. I've been to many services. I I didn't really want to go. But when, when I got there, I was good after I got there. I don't really always want to read my Bible, but after I read my Bible, I feel good. You know, I don't always want to give, but after I give, it feels good. That's kind of how God's wired life. You, you go live by faith. The just shall live by 
faith. Aren't you glad it doesn't say the just shall live by feelings? <laughs> if it did, we would never do what we're supposed to do, right? Because we don't always feel like it. But we live by faith, and then God helps us have the good feelings after we do what God wants us to do. Well, this man was on his way to the tabernacle. He was excited about it. And I think in this psalm we find several things that an excitement about the house of God will do for us and an involvement in the work of God will do. Number one, I think a house of God, the church of God, is intended to bring satisfaction to our souls. It brings satisfaction to our souls. He said, oh, I can't wait to get there. My soul longeth for the courts of my God. There's something special about the local church. It's a reset for your souls. One of the things that God gave us pastors is so they would watch for our souls. What is our soul? It's our thinking. It's our feelings. It's our desires. It's our mind, our will, our emotions. And you know what? They get out of whack sometimes. We sometimes have stinking thinking. Would you agree with that? <laughs> we got thoughts that are not right. We think wrong about things. You know how that can get centered right? When you have a Bible-believing preacher that gets up and tells you what the Bible says. Sometimes we have bad feelings. We don't feel the same that God feels about things. When you get back and you go to the house of God, you spend time around God's people, uh, and you hear God's Word, it resets your feelings about things. Because we live in a sin-cursed world, and, it's, and the world, the devil, society, and selfishness are very strong in our world. And they shape our, our souls. And the Word of God is intended to save our souls. Not just from eternal damnation, but from the, 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 the byproduct of, of bad thinking, bad feelings, and bad desires. And we come to church. He said, I, I want to come to church. I, oh, how amiable are the tabernacles of God. Why? Because they bring satisfaction to my soul. I've had the joy to be in church since I was a little kid. Uh, I, was, uh, I was raised in church. I was in church, and then my first Sunday uh, in, in this world, I was in the nursery, and I'm glad for that. It was a church I heard the gospel. It was that church I was convicted to be pure. I would have never been pure uh, before I got married had I not been in a local church. It, it, it really challenged me to be pure and holy and right. I was motivated in church. I was motivated to give. I, I got saved as a result of a message in church. I got baptized in church. I had my first hot date with Linda at church <laughs> on a Wednesday night. Sat there scared to death I was going to fall asleep. I was just popping candy, making sure I wasn't going to fall asleep. I'd worked all night the night before, and, and it's been up too long, and I was scared. But I, I had my first date. I got married in church. I met my, my best friends of my whole life in the house of God. I've heard that some of the most life-changing that ever happened to me happened to me in a local church. And my soul has been corrected and settled in a local church. You know what a local church will do for you? It'll bring satisfaction to your soul. It'll reset your thinking, your feelings, your desires. None of us desire to give aggressively financially. You know how you get that stimulated? In church. Yeah. You think about these two uh, opportunities to help get someone a Bible, their first Bible in their hand, or help a, a church on the, Navo, on, the, on, the, on the reservation, excuse me, to get water into their church. You know, we would never know about that if we didn't go to church. It's a church we get stimulated for that. And then we participate, and it feels good to do that. And it brings satisfaction to our souls. You can go out and buy something else, or you can help towards something. 
You know, when that happens, it happens in the local church. Number one, church brings satisfaction to our soul. Number two, it brings stability to my heart and myself and my family. Look, if you would, please, at chapter 84, Psalm 84, and look to, uh, to what the psalmist says, verse number three. Yea, the sparrow hath found a house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, And would you read verse 4 again with me? Blessed are they that dwell in thy house, for they will be what? Still praising thee. As the guy comes by the tabernacle, he looks up there and he sees a little sparrow and the swallow that has a nest right there by the the altars of the tabernacle. Maybe the little branch that comes off, off of... The tree, or maybe that manages to make a place in a bush right there, right near the horns of the altar. And the guy that went to church said, Man, that's a smart bird. I wish I could be like that bird. Put their house right close to the church, right there by the horns of the altar, right there by the tabernacle. That is a smart bird. You know, anybody who's a Christian is smart that builds their life around the local church. You're in it to win it. All of us, all the way. Can you say that with me? All of us. Hey, everybody. All of us. Yeah, not part of the way. Everybody. Get in it to win it. If you got thinking about quitting in your mind, stop thinking about that. Consider what Jesus went for you, lest you weary and faint in your own mind. Everybody, don't, don't, young people, don't say, well, I'm 18, I'm out of here. You're an idiot, okay? Don't do that. Don't get out of here. Get in it more, more so. Find something to do. You might even be the flower of your family, a blooming idiot. <laughs> I don't know. But listen, get in it to win it. Stay faithful to the Lord and don't get out. Say all of us, all the way. Everybody doing it. Build your house. It can bring a house of God, bring stability to your life, to your children. And then the Bible says, as time goes on, they will still be praising thee. It's not going to be something they're in and out. It's something they're just, they're all in. And they'll, in, in old age, they'll still be praising God. I met Jacob right here and Rachel right here. They're from Nigeria. He got saved in 1960. That was seven years before I was born. He's got dark hair. I've got gray hair. I don't know what's going on. But he told me mine is, mine is real. You take this scenario on the other situation. He's got fake hair, brother. I'm telling you. Nonetheless, Brother Jacob is a faithful man. And, you know, he's 80 years old, going to be 81 on his birthday, and he's still in it to win it. He's still praising the Lord. He's still over in Lagos, uh, Lagos, uh, Nigeria, trying to win someone to Christ and preaching the gospel. That's what I want to be, old and happy, just like him right there, faithfully serving Christ. You know, I think the house of God. Here he is on a Monday night in a church, still praising the Lord. You know, what does the local church get in? When you get involved with the local church, what does it do? It brings satisfaction to your soul. It brings stability to your life and to your family. Oh, just stay in it. Continue. Be a good testimony to your children. Be a good testimony to your spouse. Be consistent in your, tes- in your, in your living. Boys, uh, nothing aggravates a child more than hypocrisy in their parents. And uh, listen, we're, we're all imperfect people. But, boy, we ought to be the same in our, in our temperament at home as we are at church. Amen. We ought to say, God, I want to be a consistent Christian for you. 
Something beautiful about that. And you can usually see that. And a man is not a failure who gets all his family in the ark. Noah was an example of that. And you know, truth of matters work to make sure that you have a testimony of purity and holiness and righteousness and ask God to help you bring stability. And I think the house of God has a way of doing that. Number three, it strengthens us in seasons of sorrow. Someone said if all of our trials were hung out on the line, at the end of the day, you'd pick your trials and I'd pick mine. But we all got trials. I don't know what your trials are. I remember the night I got a phone call with my wife, Linda, that uh, from a corner in San Jose, California, our oldest son was traveling with a sweet Filipino family from our church, and they were traveling up to, to help one of their daughters move and become a Christian school teacher, and our son was traveling with them. And the little lady was on her phone on the side of the road arguing with her boyfriend, and she just got mad, and she threw the phone down, and she pulled out in front of the car that our son was in. He was a passenger. There was a driver, a man in the back, and she pulled out in front. They saw her, and so they said, oh, look at the car, look at the car, and they went around her. When, she, when they went around her, she didn't see them when she pulled out. And she decided to do a U-turn right in front of them. They hit the back of her car, ricocheted up on the hill. The car went as far as it could on that hill, then it flipped over and was all done. The driver was okay. The man in the back was okay. But Tyler was unconscious and uh, had seatbelt on and had, had real stretch marks on the seatbelt. Something hurt him and broke his rib. One rib went into his right lung. The other rib went into the muscle of his heart. And a few minutes later, he was with Jesus. Remember getting the call from the coroner's office that, Mr. Wilkerson, are you Tyler's dad? I said, yes. He said he was involved in a car accident, and unfortunately, Mr. Wilkerson, he, he sustained fatal, uh, fatal injuries. He's dead, Mr. Wilkerson. Boy, I thought I was going to die. I thought, now God knows what it's like to lose a son. And no doubt some of you have lost children, and it's painful to do that and lose a spouse or hear that you have cancer or that uh, you have a financial challenge or a wayward child or something of that nature. But all of us have problems. All of us have problems. You know what we need in problems? We need among, um, numbers of things. We need a good, a good relationship with the Scriptures. We need, we need a relationship with the Holy Spirit. But we need a good relationship with the local church. Oh, the church is a place where you can find strength when you go through your valley of Baca. Valley of Baca is a valley of tears. It's a place where all of us will be sometimes, where you are going through it. It's not easy being you. And when I have a problem, I don't want to be in a problem. I want to get out of that problem as soon as I can. So do you. I think I'm allergic to pain. <laughs> if I have it, I want to get out of it. I don't want it. But here's what happens. Sometimes God doesn't take us out of our problems. He takes us through our problems. I want to get out of my problems. I want to transition out. God wants to transform me through those difficult things. And he wants to help me, show me who I am. He wants to introduce me to me, me to him, and then him to others. And something about trial does that. But boy, I'm telling you what, every person who goes through a trial is a child of God. You need a local church. It's the heritage of God for you. Let's look and see what the Bible tells us about that. 84. And we're looking here in verse number 5. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, whose, whose heart are the ways of them. He says, someone who finds strength in God, who, passing through the valley of Baca, that's the valley of suffering, the valley of tears, 
There, make it a well, and the rain also fills the pools. By the way, when you go through a difficult time, that's a time you need your Sunday school teacher to open to you the Bible. You need your pastor to tell you what the Bible says. You need to go to the Bible yourself and find the, the water of God's Word that will fill the pools and the vacancies that cause are caused by your trial. Sometimes when people have problems, they go away from church. Don't do that. Run to church. Don't get away from your Bible. Get to your Bible. Let the Word of God fill those vacancies in the wells, in the valley of Baca that you go through. They'll need to go from strength to strength, trusting in God and His ways. Look, if you would please, at the next verse, verse number 8. Oh, Lord, of, I'm sorry, verse number 7. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeared for the Lord. He said, they come back to God's house for more strength. That's what we do. Oh, Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O oh God of Jacob, Selah. He says, I want you to, I want you to pray. You know, there's, there's very few things that humble us like a trial. Everything can be clicking on. But you get a problem. All of a sudden, you get humble real quick. You know what causes humility does? It causes us to pray. <laughs> he said, Lord, would you help me? Would you help me? And then other people will pray with you. A good local church is a place. And Jesus said, my house should be called a house of preaching. Is that what your Bible says? No, it's a house of what? Prayer. By the way, we need a, we need a revival of praying Christians. We need to be willing to pray the price. And intercede. You can never be more Christ-like than when you learn to intercede for someone going through a trouble. That's what Jesus does. He ever liveth making intercession for his saints. So what is a local church for? It's a place where my soul is satisfied. It's a place where I get stabilized personally and my family gets stabilized. It's a stabilizing factor. It's a place where I get strength in seasons of difficulty and sufferings. When I go through the valley, all of us will go through a valley. No one has a, a life that's just mountaintop experiences. You go through seasons of blessings and seasons of burdens and seasons of blessings and seasons of burdens. And we need God on both, on both, both rounds of that. We need Him. But our trials come for in seasons and they come for reasons. God never wastes suffering. I can. I've, done, I've wasted a lot of suffering. He doesn't. We need to learn to embrace our suffering and embrace our hardship and understand that, that He loves us and He is worthy and the church is a place that strengthens us. We go from strength to strength as we appear before the Lord with His people in church. The last reason for a church is found in this passage of Scripture and I think it stimulates service. It stimulates service. I think people who are faithful to the house of God and who understand God's goal for the church are more stimulated to do something. Look, everybody, every member ought to be a minister. You don't have to be the pastor. Not everybody's called the full-time Christian service. Now, I would say everybody would struggle with the possibility. Amen. You know, it's interesting. Some people say, well, I want all the young people to get called. No, sometimes God calls older people too. Yeah, some of us who ret retire need to return. <laughs> That's right. Jesus, when he chose the disciples, he was young, but he sold some. He, he took some guys out of the uh, out of careers. 
you know, he took Matthew from working at the IRS. <laughs> and, you know, he, he, took, he took Peter, James, and John to leave their nets at their father's business that, they, that had probably generations of fishermen. He said, you know, I, I think it's time for you to go. I said, I think so too. And they left all and followed. Sometimes God chooses us in different stages of life to do something. But, you know, that happens when we're involved in the house of God. Amen. Let's look at the passage of Scripture and we'll conclude tonight. And all God's people said amen. Hurry up, Pastor. Look, if you would please, at verse number 10, the Bible says, A day and night courts is better than a thousand. He said, I'd rather be in the house of God than be out in the world somewhere else. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. One of the smallest jobs anyone could do in the temple, in the tabernacle, was to open the door for people. There are other jobs, burning incense or doing the burnt offering and keeping it burning. And there was other things of, of, uh, of responsibilities and offering sacrifice and making sure the water was in the laver. But to open the door was one of the simple jobs. And you know the truth of the matter is, God will give a stimulus to do the simple task. Some of us are small tasks. You know, nothing's too small for God. Find something to do. If it's cleaning, if it's working, if it's soul winning, if it's passing out a track, if it's helping in any way, everybody. There is no reward for well done, thou good and faithful spectator. <laughs> you just sometimes a local church can be like a soccer a soccer match, you know. It's it's fifty thousand people who need exercise and watching twenty two guys who need a break. <laughs> and sometimes that can happen in church, you know. It's not it's the same people doing the work. And there's just a lot of people just watching them do the work. Don't be in that spectator group. Find some, if it's a small task, find something to do, a simple task. And don't find something to... to you, you can say, God, whatever you want me to do. And we're, that we're faithful in that which is least. God will give us opportunity to do a few more things in time. Look, if you would please, the next verse the Bible tells us here. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. I would notice here that the sun gives direction. It gives direction. If you get lost, you can figure out where the sun is. It sets, it sets in the west. It comes up in the east. You can find the time of the day. But, you know, God says, I'll be a sun for you. I'll give you direction. You know, God will give you direction to do things he wants you to do. He'll let you know, oh, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. Talk to this person. Work on that. Pastor will say, we have a need. And the Spirit of God will say, yeah, I want you to do that. He'll give you direction. Maybe a simple task. A menial task, it'll be a directed task. He says, not only will I be a son for you, what's the next thing that he says God will be? He'll give you protection. You know, when you serve the Lord, it's the safest place in the world to be. Under his protection. He said, I'll give you a little task, and I'll give you directed task, and I'll give you protection while you're doing your task. And that's the kind of God he is. Then notice, if you would please, the next thing that we learn about that, he said, I'll be a, the Lord will be a son. He'll direct you. He'll be a shield. He'll protect you. And the Lord will give grace. He will empower you to do it. That's what grace is. For by grace are you saved through faith. How much of your strength did it take to get saved? Just nothing. We just, we just trusted what God did, right? Well, grace doesn't die when you get saved. Grace doesn't just save you, but it also sets up a classroom in your heart. It, it empowers you to do what God wants you to do. And we find in the local church is a place where God will give, he'll, he'll give you directed tasks. 
He'll give you protected tasks. He'll give you simple tasks. But he will give you the enablement to do it. Many of you think, oh, I could never do that. You can do anything God wants you to do. I can do all things through. Yeah. Oh, I, I could never stand. I remember being scared to death about being a pastor. I'll tell the men tomorrow. But I mean, I was 32 years old. I had managed to preach seven times in my entire life in a church service when I became a pastor. And the three of the times, I was so nervous, I got sick and threw up. It was awful. The other four times, the audience got sick and threw up. It was bad. Oh, I was, t- I was terrified. Terrified to stand in front of people. And I'm thinking, I love my pastor, but I don't know where he gets all those messages from. I mean, I love the Bible, but I, I never saw that many, that many things in, that came to my mind. And then all of a sudden, I was 32 years old and asked to preach Sunday morning and Sunday night and funerals and weddings and Christian school chapels. And I thought, boy, I'm glad we got a good book there. But you know, the Lord empowers you to do what He wants you to do. He gives you His grace. And then He says, He's not going to be a son only and not only a shield or protect that and give us grace, empowerment. He says, I want to give you glory. That's rewards. No good thing will God withhold from them that walk uprightly. God said, I, I, I'm, I'm, you're, you're, not getting, you're not just doing this for anything. Jesus said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Lay up for who? Yourselves. Yeah, he's not saying, oh, give me all your gold. No, no, he didn't mean that. He said, I got that for you, buddy. He said, when you get involved with God, Apostle Paul, when challenging a group of people in, in Corinth, to get involved with giving. He said, look, herein I give you my advice. Why? Because this is expedient for you. This will help you. Jesus said as the disciples were watching the Samaritans come out to the well in John chapter 4, he said, lift up your eyes. Look in the field. They're wide array to harvest. Say not four months. Then cometh harvest. Hey, it's time right now. And whoever reapeth, receiveth wages into life eternal. See, what we do for God, we think is wasted. It's what we do, we don't do for God that's wasted. We think we're all that in a bag of chips because we can hold a Starbucks and an iPhone. <laughs> Listen, that's not where it's at. Whereas that is getting in the trenches with the God of heaven and watching Him do His work through us with His enablement, with His direction, with His protection. Then he said, I'll give you grace and glory. And no good thing will I withhold from them who walk uprightly. I don't know about you, but I'm with this guy heading to the tabernacle. I'm with him. I agree with him. It brings satisfaction to my soul. It brings stability to my life and my family. It brings strength in seasons of hurt and pain and trial. And it brings stimulus to do what I'll be glad I did when I stand before God one day. So then every one of us should give an account of himself to God. I'm glad at this conference we're talking about the local church and uh, talking about pastors taking the oversight and shepherding for God. May God help us to be faithful about the things of God. Let's pray together, can we? With our heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to thank you for your attention. Thank you for listening. Our pianist is going to go to the piano in just a moment and play a, a song of invitation. Let me ask you something. Did God speak to you? Those of you at home or 
Those of you in this room, did God put his finger on something in your heart that you need to do? Maybe it's being a little bit more proactive in the word of God, responsive to the spirit of God and involved in the house of God. If God's working in your life today, why don't you just, if God speaks to you, it's pretty rude not to speak back to him. If he spoke to you in just a moment, let me encourage you to use the altar. You don't have to. But I think it's a good thing to do, to humble ourselves. If you're not, if you're not able to kneel, maybe just come and stand. But say, God, here's what I'd like. You spoke to me about this, and I want to say to you, I agree with you. No, no response is still a response. May we be responsive to the Lord. As we start this conference tonight, would you come and ask God to speak to you, speak to others, to use the time to challenge us to be more faithful to the house of God and to the things of God, to the Word of God, to the Spirit of God. Let's stand together, can we please? Our Heavenly Father, please speak to our hearts. Thank you for the sweet people who've listened. Bless each of them. Work in our lives as we submit to you. If there's someone here without Christ, help them to be saved. Somebody could be. They, they might have been raised in church, but they know and God knows that they're as lost as Judas was. They, 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 they're they're going to go to hell on the distance between what they know in their head and what they have in their heart. It's with the heart a man believes in the righteousness. If there's someone without Christ, help them to get saved. But I pray all of us would speak to you like you've spoken to us. As we, uh, as we do the invitation, if you don't mind playing the organ, that would be great. If God spoke into your heart, why don't you come? Would you please and join us here? And let's ask the Lord to speak to our heart as uh, the instrument plays. Let's, re- let's leave our seat and come, to the, come and ask the Lord for help. That's good. That's good. I think it's all right, don't you? If God speaks to us, let's humble ourselves and speak back to Him. We don't get to do this all the time, but... This is a time we can say, God, I agree with you. This is an area you're speaking to me about. I want to speak to you about it. I don't know. But all of us ought to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. If he's talking to us a little bit, let's talk back to him. God bless you. God bless you. Everybody, wherever you are in your seat or standing there if you say pastor i think i'm good i think i'm good with god that's wonderful once you pray for the lost pray for someone right now that comes to your mind's eye that needs christ would you pray for someone who's away from the lord would you pray for those who are traveling tomorrow that god would give them safety is god calling you to serve the lord Are you someone who is struggling with the call of God upon your life? Listen, if you feel that urge to serve the Lord, that's not coming from the devil. God's talking. Let's respond to Him. still open tonight for you to come and do business with God this evening. Praise God for the local church. My prayer tonight and I trust your prayer will be that God would use the local church you're a part of to impact your community, our country, and our world. 
And I'm afraid so often we don't want to let God impact us. Would you let him impact you this week? Would you let him work in you? Sometimes it's painful. We don't like it very much. But it's always for our good and his glory. Lord, thank you for what you've done here tonight already. Lord, if we all packed up and went back to our homes and traveled back to our respective places, God, you would, this meeting tonight would have been worthwhile. Lord, I'm thankful that you have more for us. Lord, I pray you'd bless these dear folks. Lord, I've been praying for them. My heart yearns. Lord, that they would be encouraged and helped and blessed this week. God, I pray that you would do that. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the reminder, Lord, that we needed this evening. Lord, about your heritage. Lord, it's not ours. Lord, we lift up your heritage, local church. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for what you have done. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Would you be seated just for a moment? We're going to dismiss uh, momentarily when we do, and I failed to mention this preacher, and I'm sorry that I forgot about it. Uh, we do have uh, a couple of tables back there, first of all. Uh, Brother Jim Price has a display table. Brother Adesina, do you have prayer cards? Brother Jacob, do you have prayer cards? Okay. You, if you want to go ahead and go back, and I'll let Brother Jacob go before we dismiss. I want you to put some prayer cards if you don't know Brother Jacob, you go see him, give him a $100 bill, get a prayer card, and uh, he'll have those back there on the back table. Brother Will Esienko is a good young man. I've known Will uh, since he was a teenager. He's only a teenager now, right, Will? By the way, he's looking for a wife. Uh, if, you need, if you know a single girl here tonight, you talk to Will. And, uh, but he has a display back there. But also, on the right-hand side, uh, there is... Uh, Hal's Anderson College so graciously sent some materials to make available to you. And uh, we have some CDs back there. Uh, and Lizzie uh, will be back there taking your money. Uh, if you would like to buy them, uh, by the way, they normally cost $10, right, Preacher, the CDs. And how many of you know $10 U.S. is more than $10 Canadian? If you don't know that, I want you to do my taxes. Uh, that might help me. Uh, but uh, talk to the... Brother Collins, some of you know Brother Collins, he's been here with us, Brother Collins, I know preacher, just sell them for $10 Canadian, uh, so a great deal for us, and a blessing, lots of CDs back there, also, Hal's uh, Anderson College just celebrated 50 years, uh, I would love to have got to be there for it, but I wasn't able to travel at the time, but uh, they put together a uh, flash drive, a USB drive, with 50 songs over the past 50 years of the college, and they have those back there, they're $25 preacher. And then uh, Pastor Wilkerson has, of course, most of you know already, and you preachers, uh, full-time workers, I'll get a packet to you as a gift from our church uh, this week. But he also has some uh, limited supply uh, of the discipleship materials that uh, they produce. And uh, a couple things there, uh, the prices are available. There's a card if you'd like to order, please take one of those. And uh, we use the materials, they're wonderful, they're helpful. I promise you, uh, men, 
Uh, I, I stand behind the material, the helpfulness of it a thousand percent. And I love them. I love, I love this man, but I love the material even more. And uh, I hope you'll get it. I hope it's a help to you. Uh, but I want to make that available. Uh, we'll, we, I believe we still have some coffee. If not, we will make some more because we believe in coffee and the Bible around here. And uh, I'm going to have Brother Colton come and make some closing announcements about tomorrow uh, to help you with that. So Brother Colton, would you come and make announcements and then close us in prayer? It's been a wonderful service tonight. We have some more uh, services tomorrow. Uh, the first thing tomorrow morning at 9 a.m., uh, we have our coffee and fellowship hour. Uh, and so be here. Hold on, hold on, hold on. This is important. Tomorrow morning, tonight we had coffee. How many of you had some coffee? It was okay coffee. Tomorrow we're having transcend coffee. Now that's the coffee I drink. It's the coffee God drinks in heaven. And we'll have really, not just coffee, really good coffee tomorrow morning. Go ahead. Uh, so our coffee and fellowship bar at 9 a.m. Uh, and, and then uh, the doors are open at 9 a.m. And then our morning service starts at 10 a.m. Um, we have uh, two services in the morning, one in the afternoon, and then we have a break uh, for the afternoon. Uh, you can find all that information inside of your uh, conference packet, so take a look in there if you have any more questions about that. Uh, I believe that's everything. Uh, just one more thing. Uh, tomorrow during the day, we are providing lunch for you. Uh, there's one pack of saltine crackers, and then there's going to be one can of Vienna sausages, <laughs> Brother Rod's favorite treat. Yeah, no, we, have a, uh, we will be providing lunch tomorrow. Uh, so would you would you do me a favor if you're if you're coming tomorrow and you have not registered yet and we're glad you're here you don't have to register to be here uh, but if you're coming tomorrow during the day if you haven't registered yet if you would do me a favor uh, tonight before you go to bed uh, if you would just register let us know check the services you'll be here for the rest of the week that would help us as we prepare to try to meet your needs and serve you but thank you for coming and if you have any questions ask Colton he'll have all the answers for you and. Uh, Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word. And we thank you for the local church, Lord. And Lord, it's through the local church that I was able to hear about the gospel. And Lord, I pray you would help us, Lord, to uh, follow the pattern that you've set for us in your word. Uh, help us to uh, be faithful to our Bible reading and faithful to prayer, Lord. And I pray you would uh, bless us tonight as we go, Lord. I pray you give us safety on the roads. Uh, bring us back here tomorrow morning, Lord. And Lord, we thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.